Well, church family, what a, what a joy to be able to gather together in this Sunday before Christmas uh, and to be able to remember what, what Christ has done for us. Uh, today, in that spirit, I'm going to ask you to look at Luke chapter 1. Uh, we're going to continue on in our simple Christmas series, uh, bringing this sort of to a conclusion today, uh, but not really a conclusion because we, we are going to celebrate on Christmas Eve uh, the Advent of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's been a, a journey as we've been going through Luke 1. And if you've been able to be part of that uh, journey up to this point, you've uh, seen us experience Zechariah and the gift of silence, uh, Mary showing us the gift of humility and obedience, overcoming fear, overcoming doubt. Uh, we saw last week the intersection of these two stories as Mary and Elizabeth uh, visit together and, and this gift of worship as displayed uh, by Mary, so beautiful. Uh, and and the, it, it represents this amazing privilege for all of us, uh, the priestly blessing and the priestly ability to come into the presence of the Lord. So trust that you are experiencing that. And, and as we said last week, that the Holy Spirit would be rekindling and even reanimating your, your uh, desire to come in and your personal commitment uh, to worship. What a great time of the year for us to do that. Then we can say with Mary, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God. So today we're going to conclude Luke chapter 1. And uh, if you have your Bibles open, um, the title of the message today is Give Blessing. And it, it actually brings us sort of full circle because we're going to be concluding the story that we began in the very first week of this series uh, with Zechariah. And if that seems like it's been a long time to you because it's been a few weeks since we started it to where we are now, it was a lot longer in Zechariah's life. He spent actually the better part of a year uh, enjoying that gift of silence and not being able to speak. And then what pours out of him in our scripture today uh, is this overflow of blessing. And uh, when I think about it, it, it's sort of a special sort of out of the old and into the new. All of these stories sort of have this element to them. So Elizabeth was barren, but now that barrenness is giving way to new life. Um, Mary was afraid, but that fear gives way to worship. Zechariah was, was silenced, but that silence now gives way to blessing. And so in that spirit, uh, we're going to look at Luke chapter 1. Uh, while you're turning there and getting ready uh, to look uh, at our verses, we're going to pick up in verse 59 and 60 today. I will note that we had um, quite a lovely snowstorm uh, this week. And that kind of got me thinking a little bit about it. On Thursday morning, um, I actually woke up to this beautiful picture. Uh, this was what uh, things looked like outside. It was really quite, uh, quite lovely with the snow on the trees and the blue sky uh, above. Uh, my car needed a little bit of work that morning to get dug out, which probably all of you spent some time this week shoveling some snow or at least having somebody shovel snow for you. So uh, that was part of the deal. I started thinking a little bit about uh, some of the snowstorms that I've been involved in. And, and I have to be honest with you, like this kind of stuff is sort of child's play for a kid that grew up close to Erie, Pennsylvania. We were in that snow belt. So two feet of snow was, ah, was nothing. You know, they, they didn't cancel snow for us unless they couldn't find the buses was pretty much the policy up there. So that's kind of how it worked. So I was thinking about that. I was thinking about the fact that I was a student at Penn State University when we had like the storm of the century. Some of you may remember when that came through in the early 90s, 93, 94. I don't know. 
Um, it does it does strike me that the more my stories have like semi-accurate dates attached to them, the more I sort of feel like an old man. It was, just, it was the winter of 94 when the storm of the century came through. So you probably remember that, some of you that have been in this area for some time. Uh, I was also remembering when I first came uh, to the State College area and started working uh, here at State College Alliance Church. Uh, my wife and I were working with the campus ministry and uh, we, were, we were just getting started with that. And we had a significant snowstorm that came in. And being the kid from, you know, the snow belt, I was kind of excited about it. I had snow tires on my car. And so I told Amy, I'm going out for a drive. She said, do you need something? I said, no, I just want to go have some fun in the snow. So I did and uh, was driving our, our 88 Saab 9000 Turbo. Great car. You put snow tires on that thing, you could climb up a mountain. It was awesome. And I was actually driving in the area of State College that probably most of you know, where, where there's uh, Kohl's and Target and, and uh, Wegmans, Dick's Sporting Goods, that plaza, at that time was just getting put in. So some of the, none of the stores were open yet. Uh, some of the stores hadn't even been built yet. And I was driving past there and I thought, these, these wonderful big open uh, parking lots looked really enticing to just like do some donuts. So if you don't know what that is, uh, talk to somebody who does. I'll explain it to you. So I get in the, the, the driveway uh, parking lot and I'm, I'm doing donuts, just kind of wheeling around and having fun. I didn't realize that they had put in those uh, cement islands uh, that were in the middle. So I hit one of those and kind of thought that I probably broke something in my car. I uh, kind of regathered and decided, okay, this is probably not a good idea to begin with. And so I was driving home, and uh, on my way home, there was a whole uh, bunch of neighbors that were stuck trying to help each other out. And so I stopped, and, and we were all helping each other. And uh, it was kind of a beautiful moment, one of those kind of everybody kind of helping each other out in those uh, moments. And so I, I'm sharing that with you this morning because uh, sometimes uh, the storms in life provide an opportunity to really give and receive blessing. Much like the person who just needed a little help getting their car pushed out, sometimes that doesn't get revealed until the storm comes. And I I think that's not a bad metaphor for this season. Uh, We could probably all say that the storms of 2020 have been significant. And yet I think embedded in the storms that we still see around us, there, there is opportunity to be a blessing. And, and if we can get our eyes adjusted and in the right place and, and, and have our ears open to hear, um, and if our hearts are ready to respond, there can be great opportunity. So, so again, we, we've said this for many months, but let's just acknowledge once again, normal is disrupted, but in the midst of that disruption, we have opportunities to be the hands and feet of Christ in our world, perhaps in ways that we would not typically have, and perhaps for some of us, like we will never have again in our lifetime. So we're praying that God would give us eyes to see. And just this idea of, Lord, in this season, let people see Jesus in me. Let me be a blessing and be your hands and feet. So in that spirit, let's look at Luke chapter 1. Uh, We've now come to the point where Elizabeth has had her baby. Elizabeth, who was barren and said that she would never have a child, now has a child. She gives birth to a son. The neighbors and the relatives hear about this, uh, the mercy that that God has shown her, and they are sharing in her joy. And we're going to pick up reading in verse 59, where it says this. 
On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. Then they said to her, There is no one among your relatives who has that name. And they made signs to the father to find out what he would like to name the child. And he asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened, and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. Now at this point, uh, it, the scripture goes on to say that the neighbors are filled with awe. They can tell that God is doing something. They see the hand of the Lord in their midst. So what a powerful time of testimony, not only for this family, but for the people around them as well. I want to look at two things with you in this passage today, and keep your finger there because we are going to read on into this blessing that Zechariah gives in the, in the later verses of Luke chapter 1. But the first thing I want you to see is this idea of a promise fulfilled. It would be very easy for us to read this passage, as we've likely read it many times, and say, right, Zechariah was not able to speak, and the promise was, when the baby arrives, uh, you will be able to speak again. This idea that you're, you're, you're going to be silenced, but it's only going to be for this period of time. And so then the baby comes, and he is able to speak again when he proclaims that the child's name is going to be John, in obedience to the, the angelic message. Now, uh, but I, I don't want to miss it. I, I don't want to miss this significant aspect, this faith-building reality in Zechariah and Elizabeth's life and concurrently in Mary and then Joseph's life because God is stirring. He's doing something. We believe even now in our lives, sure, God is at work around us. He is doing things. He has promises for us. Many of them we are still waiting on, but the journey of growing in Christ is one of growing in faith. When we see a promise that is fulfilled, it gives us faith. It builds our faith for the future that is still unwritten. Now, uh, the, the early church father, Augustine, he said it this way. He said, one of the things that is uh, one of the best ways for us to encounter God is by looking in our past. Now, I've been sort of captivate, captivated by that thought for a long time. I think part of the reason he said it is this. When we think about our Christian experience and our journey with Jesus, our, our future, the specifics of our future, are largely yet unwritten. We know, we know what is promised for us, but we have not yet experienced it. Our present is not usually fully understood. In other words, I can see the things happening in my life today and in this season in my present, but I may not always be able to understand or fully discern what I'm looking at. And so that can lead us into a place where we can be a little bit discouraged because we're not exactly sure what our future holds. We're not exactly sure what our present means, but we can very clearly see what God has done at certain intersections in our past. Now, I believe that faith is a building process. We learn to trust the Lord over time. Now, this is one of those times, for example, in Zechariah's life that, that I can relate to. I haven't had the same experience, but I can relate to this idea of being able to say, okay, if God has been faithful here, will he not also be faithful there? 
So the promise came to Zechariah and Elizabeth that they would have a child, even though they were advanced in years, Elizabeth was barren, they weren't supposed to be able to. The promise came that they would, and now they have. Uh, Zechariah's inability to speak was only to last until the promise of that child had come. So now as these things are actually unfolding, they have a son that they shouldn't have. He is able to speak. What does this mean now for the bigger legacy and the bigger promises attached to the life of this baby? Do you see what I mean? There's there's a faith-building aspect going on here. The promises to Mary came true. She said, let it be to me as the Lord wills. I'm the Lord's servant, and now she is with child. So that promise has come true. What does that mean for the bigger promises attached to Jesus' life and legacy? What does it mean for his mission and his future sacrifice? So in her future times of doubt and difficulty, she will always be able to look back on the times in which God has met her and fulfilled promises. Right now, many of us are experiencing the reality of a hard-to-define present And many of us are looking at with some uncertainty at our future, simply saying we don't know what the coming weeks and months holds for us. And yet we can look back, many of us, and we can see the faithfulness of God at multiple intersections along our life's path. And it it might take you a little bit of time and a little bit of discipline and a little bit of prayer even to say, Holy Spirit, would you reveal to me the intersections of your work in my life? But when he does that, it is a faith-building process. So we we don't try to move forward simply by looking back, but we look back to remember the promises of God, the faithfulness of God, and it gives us hope as we look to our uncertain future. Now, Zechariah is doing this, and we we come to to verse 67, that now the the silence is over and the blessing is beginning to flow. Read with me in verse 61, uh, Zechariah's famous benedictus, and he reads, it says this way, verse 67, And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. I want to talk to you for the remainder of this message about this idea of the gift of blessing. We've been talking for different gifts throughout these different messages, gift of silence, the gift of worship. Uh, Today I want to talk about the gift of blessing. And I want to break it down sort of into three parts for you as you consider this and consider the gift of blessing to you and as as well as the the gift of blessing uh, through you. First is this idea of blessing up, this idea that just like Mary last week, Zechariah is doing something that we don't always naturally do. Maybe some of us have not experienced this at all, but this is this idea of ministering to the presence of the Lord. This is what many of the angels in heaven are doing. This is what the priests of the Old Testament are doing. Zechariah is one of those priests. Uh, This is the highest calling of every believer. We talked about this last week, this idea of ministering to the presence of the Lord. There is a dynamic interplay here of receiving from God, because God initiates, but then giving back to Him on the basis of that revelation. 
the beauty of this is that the, the, the way that that plays out is as varied and diverse as our life experiences are because we don't all, always experience God in the exact same way, but when He reveals something to us in the form of His power, His strength, His sovereignty, His ability, His care for us, we are then able to turn that back to Him in worship. But we've got to receive if we are going to have anything meaningful to give back. That's why the, the idea for some of us of singing songs, you know, if that is the extent of our worship, we're never going to get to that fulfilling encounter with Jesus Christ until those songs become representative of our life posture. So that when our life is connected to the heart of the Lord that way, my life of worship is now ministering to the presence of the Lord. Then those songs will actually become something meaningful. But for many of you, I, I have experienced this, you know, we go through life very bored in worship. We go through church services very bored in worship because those songs are not representative of the posture of our life. So by God's grace, we come into this gift of blessing. And it actually starts with Zechariah here. He's blessing up. He's not just blessing out or he's not blessing others. He's actually blessing returning thanks and giving praise to the Lord. Uh, again, this idea of ministering to the presence of the Lord or, or what we'll call today sort of blessing up, this has become uh, sort of a joyful journey, not easy, mind you, uh, but a joyful journey in my life to say, you know, if this is my highest calling, I've got to grow in this area. Um, early in, in the year, in 2020, I was at a conference in Atlanta. Um, and this was before we were on lockdown and all this COVID stuff was really hitting hard. So I was at this, I was at this conference. And I was so glad I had the privilege of being there. They were actually talking about this idea of ministering to the presence, your highest calling. Uh, the, the second morning of the, the conference, I woke up um, with a sense of, you know, you know, I want to minister to the presence of the Lord. So before I even got out of bed, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to minister to the presence of the Lord. I'm trying to give God glory. I'm trying to give God praise. And I went through part of my morning really kind of in that spirit of just saying, Lord, I just want to give you praise. I want to give you praise. I want to give you praise. And, and partway through the morning, the Holy Spirit of God kind of whispered to my heart, you know, slow down a second. Slow down a second. You haven't received yet. That was the word to my heart. You haven't received yet. You see, when we minister to the presence of the Lord, when we bless up, it's out of what we have received because God is the one who initiates. And so I spent some time and I have learned to grow in this area of just spending some time saying, Lord, I need to receive from you. When I get in God's word, I'm in a posture of receiving from him. When I pray, I start in a posture of receiving from Him so that then I can minister to the presence. But He's got to reveal to me. And, and I got this kind of illustration. I actually shared it at one of our prayer gatherings early in the year. Uh, the, the illustration that the Lord began to unfold in my life was one of um, playing volleyball, which at the time I was, I was teaching my, my youngest son to play some volleyball. So we'd be out in the, in the parking lot and, and uh, driveway. We'd be doing a little bit of pepper back and forth. And so I set, you hit, I dig, you set, I hit, you dig. And so if you've, if you've been involved in that world, there is an interplay. There is a giving and receiving back and forth and back and forth. And that's actually what makes it dynamic. That's what actually makes it fun. 
And so when I begin to think about this idea of, of blessing and ministering to the presence of the Lord, but I want to do that out of what He is pouring into my life. So that dynamic interplay is so important. Uh, what we see happening here in Zechariah's story is that he is blessing up. He is praising God for God's faithfulness, for his strength. And all you need to do is read through verses 70 to, to 75, and you start to see these themes emerge. God's faithfulness, his strength, his deliverance, his character. Zechariah even says that, that we might serve him without fear. That is a powerful statement of worship, of blessing, as he is blessing his God. So he is receiving and he is giving back. So the blessing up is important. We don't want to miss that. We want to be fully engaged with that if we want to understand this gift of blessing. Um, The second one is blessing down. Look at what happens in Luke chapter 1. He now turns his attention to this newborn baby, his child, and he says this, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. So the second part of the gift of blessing looks like this. We, we, we bless up, we're, we're engaging with our Heavenly Father as we bless His presence, minister to His presence, but we bless down. Here we actually see a very remarkable picture of the Father speaking a blessing over His child. This is absolutely powerful, absolutely Beautiful. Now, understand this would be culturally normative. This would be a normative thing for Zechariah to speak words of blessing over his child, especially at this early season in his life. But as I, as I think about this, and I think about the power of this, it strikes me that there is a conspicuous absence of that father blessing in much of our culture today. Uh, Many of us would tell the story, many of you, many of us would say, you know, I I never really received that father blessing, and so I I don't really know how to give that fatherly blessing. Um, Author Craig Hill, he wrote the the book, uh, The Power of a Parent's Blessing. He studies the impact uh, of of this gift of blessing across cultures in his study of sort of cultural and societal norms. And actually, he asked some fascinating questions. You know, why, for example, does one culture have a disproportionate level of success in respective fields over another culture? And he would use, for example, the the Jewish people. So we could look at Zechariah. I mean, this would be a good example here. The Jewish people would be a good example of this. And he notes that they are traditionally a blessing culture, meaning that at various and prescripted times in the life of a young person, they are affirmed and encouraged, they are blessed in the God-given identity and destiny for their life. That is exactly what Zechariah is doing here over the life of John. So he is saying, this is who you are. This is who God has called you to be. And as your father, as your parent, I am affirming that identity and destiny over you. Now, listen, just think about this in your own experience and in the experience of people you know. How many people do you know that would say, my dad was never around? My dad eh, was never, I was never really able to connect him. We never really able to talk. I hear this much more 
often than not. In other words, we recognize the power of this blessing, but we usually recognize it by its absence. So I mentioned Craig Hill, the power of a parent's blessing. This is something as a parent, we're not all called to that vocation and that role, but as a parent, that's something that I would say, I want to know, God, how do I pass on an attitude and a posture of blessing into the lives of my children? So that's something that we take very seriously in our household. We want to be parents who bless. We want to be a family of blessing. So I, I've read books like this. This is a book actually that Amy got for me, 52 Things Kids Need from a Dad by Jay Paylitner. Paylitner. His name is a little bit too hard, so that you can read it there. Um, I don't know, know how to say it, but it's a great book, you know, and it's just talking about what are you equipped as a dad to pass on to your kids. Now, interestingly, the book concludes, I'm not spoiling it for you, but it actually ends with a quote from Malachi 4.6. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. If you remember a couple of weeks ago when we started Zechariah's story, we talked about the bridge between the end of Malachi, that was the last kind of prophetic words that happened of the Old Testament, to the first God-ordained words, the angelic pronouncement in Luke chapter 1, and they're saying the same thing. They're saying God is going to be turning the hearts of fathers toward their children. This is part of that Elijah spirit that is going to rest on John. So it is really powerful as we see now this blessing coming to fruition. I could talk about that for a long time, but I want to simply encourage you to be next-generation thinking people. There is no greater privilege, even if you do not have biological children of your own. The church must always be thinking about what is God doing in the next generation, and how am I called to bless it? So without apology, let me encourage you to be thinking in that direction. As you think blessing up, we want to minister to the presence of the Lord. Blessing down, we want to be a blessing to the next generation. We see that happening powerfully here in Luke chapter 1. So let's conclude with, with this last part of blessing out. Luke chapter 1, verse 78 and 79. Zechariah continues to be, he's now speaking over uh, John, and he says, Because of the tender mercy of our God whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And he concludes his blessing that way. I want you to see that now we're not just talking about blessing up, we're not just talking about blessing the child, but now we're talking about the blessing that will come to all who hear that message. We said a few moments ago that sometimes the storms of life will provide opportunity to give and receive blessings. So we see that happening. It's more than just a metaphor in terms of what's happening around us right now. Let me ask you, church, to consider this. The gift of blessing is not simply about what God gives us or pours out over us, but what He entrusts to us. And it is meant... To be shared. We see here in verse 78 and 79, there's this reference now of the light coming into the darkness. Why? Because John is going to be the forerunner for the Messiah. We know this. 
He's the forerunner to the light. He's now going to be called to stir up the people. This is his holy calling to stir up the people to make them ready for the coming Messiah. Jesus will now bring the ultimate blessing of restoration of God's, of God's people to God's broken creation. He's going to be coming to earth. He will be Emmanuel, God with us. And he, Jesus, will give the ultimate sacrifice of his life for our redemption. John was calling the people to be ready for that. Jesus comes in and accomplishes that and then comes to us and says, we are now called to carry the light of the gospel as a blessing to our world and all for the glory of God. So the the purpose of my life, this gift of blessing, not only do I minister to the presence, not only do I bless those who would come after me in this life, but I also am looking at my world through the eyes of blessing. So here's the question that I would ask you to consider. What has God entrusted to me? What has God entrusted to you that you would use for His glory? How would God call you to exercise this gift of blessing to be a blessing to someone today? We are in a season, we've said this about 150 different ways, but I'm going to keep beating this drum even if you feel tired of it because listen, if we are in a season where nothing feels normal, it is so important for us if we're going to be the church who blesses the presence of God, blesses the next generation, and blesses our world if we say, Jesus, what are you calling us to do in this season? What is your personal calling of ministry now? Some of you are already engaged in that and have found ways to be engaged, to be the hands and feet of Jesus in such beautiful ways. And I love hearing the stories in ways in which you are reaching out to your neighbors, in which you are caring for those who need help. I was incredibly blessed in this last month as a church family when we said, you know what, let's go after the need as we remember the persecuted church. And so if some of you remember, we gave an invitation to say, if you would like to give a blessing to help minister to those who are living every day under the the weight of persecution, uh, there was over $5,000 that was given from this church family to be a blessing. In fact, tomorrow, uh, I'll send you out uh, a, a video link from the College of Prayer, who they sent us a thank you just to say thank you for blessing uh, the work that God is doing through that. All of those are great examples of you saying, I want to be a blessing. God has entrusted certain things to me, energy, time, finances, whatever. How would God choose to use you to be a blessing in this next year? My heart is beginning to stir more and more. I know that the season is dark. I know that the numbers of COVID cases and people that are hospitalized, people in our church family who are struggling or have family members who are struggling or have lost loved ones, these are difficult times and will probably get hard, get darker before they get lighter. And so the Lord has continued to stir in my heart this idea of what initiatives of hope can we take on to be a blessing in our community. And I absolutely believe that God has important ministry of blessing in store for us in the coming days, weeks, and months. But we have to have eyes to see it. We have to be quiet to hear it. We've got to listen to see what God would call us to do. And so we're in that posture. I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. Verse 80 concludes the chapter. This has been a wonderful journey to go through the Luke 1 and to have this sort of simple Christmas, slow approach 
toward the manger, but it ends this way. It says, the child grew and became strong in spirit. He was in the wilderness until his days, uh, the days of his public appearance to Israel. All of this, all of these interwoven stories are leading up to the arrival, the advent of Jesus. And since his coming, our world has never been the same. So church, as you get your heart ready in this coming week to celebrate Christ and his coming, to celebrate with family members, to celebrate in various ways, to remember Jesus, may I remind you, we are given the gift of silence. And we pray that in silence, you will quiet your heart before the Lord. We've been given the gift of confession, whereby we invite healing and wholeness. We've been given the gift of worship, where we connect to the heart of our Heavenly Father. And we've been given the gift of blessing, where we say, Jesus, help us to be your hands and your feet. So in that spirit, I'm going to ask if you would pray with me today. Jesus, we recognize your supreme goodness. And Lord, we thank you for your closeness to us. I pray that even now, in these moments, you would have a divine appointment with somebody who needs to encounter you. Lord, there are those who are listening to this message, maybe that have kept you at an arm's distance, that have have kept the Christ child sort of in a safe space far away, and yet you are, you are longing to have a deep and intimate connection with us. And so, Lord, I pray that today there would be a allowing you to have space in our hearts and our lives. We receive you, Jesus. We repent of sin and anything that would keep us from you. And we invite you to take up residence here in us. Lord, I recognize that there are those listening to this message that in a sense of fatigue and, and the difficulty of this season and the hardship of this year, Lord, just need a fresh encounter with you. And Lord, I pray that as we receive from you with open hands, that we would be quick to return worship as we minister to the presence and as we bless your name. So Lord, we thank you. We love you. We thank you for all that you have done and all that you are going to do. And we lean forward and we wait with expectation as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.